We're going to go through the 8th Psalm today, Lord willing. This is labeled as a Messianic Psalm, a Messiah Psalm. Let me say that correctly. Testifying of the Lord. The Psalm is penned by David. There are very many thoughts on, as it says, between the Psalm 8 and the first words of the Psalm to the chief musician upon Giddeth. The Psalm of David, some believe that was a musical instrument, some relate it to the afflictions of uh, Goliath of Gath and other ideas. We do not know, but as we read David being a man of sorrows and suffering and persecuted from the enemy and even from his own people and even from his own family, David was a man of sorrows much like our Lord and his whole life he cried to God, for deliverance, and in his whole life, God delivered him. What we're going to go through today is what we preach. You could make this the articles of faith for the church. This is the Bible doctrine. This is, is precious, the knowledge of this. And I ask for your prayers as we strive to go through this. David begins the psalm, O Lord. If we read Genesis 1, we find in the beginning God. And we see God formed the dry ground and the water. God formed every plant. God formed every fowl. God formed every beast of the earth, the creepy crawly things, the insects. There was nothing but God, and that is the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The entire first chapter relays to Him as God. What is God? Who is God? Well, we've already mentioned the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but let's look at God. Man tries to create gods. God is not created. God has always been. God will always be. As eternal is, as is God the Father, is God the Son, the living Word, is God the Holy Spirit. We see in this chapter, and God said, let us, the three eternal persons of the Godhead make man in our image. But I want you to understand this whole first chapter he is referred to as God. A God is above all, has power over all, has wisdom over all. The attributes of God we cannot fully see nor understand. We'll make into some of that a little later if the Lord keeps my thoughts as they are now. And I do ask for your prayers. But my point is this, is that God is referred to in Genesis chapter 1 in creation as God. And He is the Creator. And there with Him was Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And that's important to remember because everything we preach, everything we try to worship is in the second person of the Godhead who is the living Word of God which was made flesh. didn't say He was created. He's not created. He's as eternal as the Father and the Holy Spirit. He was made flesh. That means that He was made flesh for the purpose of God. He left heaven and immortal glory where our flesh and blood cannot dwell because of sin. And He came into this world. All our worship is on the Lamb of God, the Son of God. He is the seed of David through Mary. He is the Son of Man through Mary. But as we see in Luke chapter 1 about verse 35, He is also the Son of the Most High. He is the Son of God because the virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit and brought forth that holy thing who is called the Son of God. He's all God and He's all man. But He is eternal. He does not have a beginning. He does not have an end. He is God manifest in the flesh. 
Therefore, He is to be worshipped by every created thing. A lot to think about there. We don't know how some things worship God. How does the fish in the sea worship God? They worship God in being created to supply the man God created with his needs of that fish, mostly food, and the purpose of God. We'll talk about some of that as we go through here, Lord willing. But I want to stick with my point this time. All through the first chapter, he is called God. The psalmist says, O Lord, O Lord. Here is the sovereign God of all creation. Everything he created, he is above. The purpose is for God to be worshipped. We can't see God, so therefore God is worshipped by faith and spirit and in truth. What we do know and what we do see of God is revealed to us in the Son, Jesus Christ, the living Word. And so we worship Him because God hath exalted that man far and above all things. But David said, O Lord, let's go to chapter 2. There we began to see in verse 5 as it talks about planting the field and making man and the earth and the heavens, for we know that all things were made of God. He's not just called God, the sovereign creator who cannot look upon sin, who cannot look upon fallen man in his nature because of that sin. We see Him as the Lord God. What a wonderful thought. What a wonderful fact. What a wonderful, magnificent revelation. Lord, ruler, governor, supreme, sovereign over. God is sovereign over all things created. Satan is created, rebelled against God, and God is sovereign to him. We mentioned that last week, I do believe, going through the second Psalm, how the Lord would have them in derision and laugh at all of their foolishness that they do trying to overthrow God, which cannot be done. He's ruler. He's the Lord of all things created. He's the Lord of the angels that sinned. He's the Lord of the wicked. He's the Lord of all in the sense of having power over created beings. But, but, to His people, this word Lord has a special meaning. He's the Lord over us as He is them certainly. Because he has power over all created things and all created things are his and his alone. But to a child of God, born of the Spirit of God, God is Lord over them. He judges them. He'll judge the wicked with a guilty verdict. And they'll be into the lake of fire everlasting. He judges his people in the yeah, the, 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 the hammer coming down the gavel and being proclaimed innocent, guiltless, spotless, free, holy, and without blame. He is the Lord. It is His purpose. And that's what matters. David, in having this revealed to him, in times, a man that stood in the amongst of his enemies, much as we do today, and we can take great comfort in this. This is why we worship. This is who we come to worship. This is the knowledge delivered unto us by the doctrine of Jesus Christ and Him crucified from the Father above. He is the Lord God and that He leads us. He touches us. He gives us life. He forms us. He shapes us. Some people don't like the idea of being formed and controlled. I did not like that at one time in my life. Being a police officer, nobody told me what to do or what I could or couldn't do, and I still hang on to that due to my last name. It's a trait in my family. But when we've been blessed to see that God controls us, that Christ loves us, that our Lord 
has fashioned us, that our Lord has shaped us, that our Lord has turned us away from the things of the world, the things that we once loved and brought us unto Himself, that we might dwell with Him and worship Him and praise His holy name. The Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, who is our ruler, People want to talk about obedience, and I'm big on obedience because I fail at it greatly. But we could none of us be obedient if our Lord and our God, Jesus Christ, did not dwell within us and cause us to be obedient. He works that in us. Now David is talking about, he says, Oh Lord, this is the Lord of creation. There was absolutely nothing. Until the Lord made it, to the Lord God, our Lord, our Master, our King, our Husband, our Father, all that He is. And He says, O Lord, our Lord. Is that not an interesting set of words? Our Lord. I've read this, and the first time I read it, I disagreed with it in the sense that we are pride, we would be prideful in saying this. But if you read Scripture, you find out that it's very true. O Lord, our Lord, here's what I disagreed with at first until thinking about it, praying about it years ago. We are creatures of God, we belong to God, our Lord. We strive to obey our Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. But brethren, O Lord, our Lord, relays to us that we are possessors of our Lord in the sense that we possess Him. He hath given Himself to us. He hath brought us into Him. And as far as having gods in the world and lords and masters, we possess Him as our Lord through His grace and His mercy. David, I'm sure, spent much time in great trial and great anguish. David, family killing each other, uh, uh, rape in the family, incest, these things. Not, not, not alone from all the things which David did. We're going to talk about some of the things because it amazes me that, oh Lord, our Lord loves us to the point that no matter what we've done in this world, no matter what we've done in this world, one more time, no matter what we've done in this world, everyone whom the Son died for will stand with Him in heaven in immortal glory. He is our Lord. David says, oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent. When we come here, the anguish melts away. The sorrow melts away for a little while. The sorrow of my sin, the sorrow of my faults, the sorrow of my flesh, and we are but flesh. The sorrow of everything in the world that is of the world that hates us is relieved to us from just a little while. We preach Christ and Him crucified. That's what this whole psalm is about, Jesus Christ. It tells us of David, but it points to Christ. And it gives us the reason of the true doctrine that was delivered to David, that our salvation, our life, everything we have is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, He is our Lord, our Lord. How excellent is Thy name in all the earth. We could have man after man after man after man whom God has called to preach come here and stand in this pulpit and talk about the glory of God and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, from now until the time the Lord returns. It would be magnificent if we could stand it, if our bodies could stand it, if we could endure that in our weak frail, fleshly body, but we would never ever be able to fully touch on the glory of God. And I'll give you one past that. When we stand in heaven in a mortal glory, I do not believe we shall ever be able to fully declare and praise the magnificence of this Lord. There's a reason David is telling us this. We'll get to it in a moment. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth. 
in all creation. We find back to Genesis 1 and 2, everything God created. He created the earth, everything upon the earth. One of the psalmists said, the heavens declare the glory of God, the handiwork of God. They've been having meteor showers this week. I've been meaning to watch them and I have neglected to for lack of a memory. Just reading this morning to clarify in my mind how many stars are there? We're just talking about the stars. A hundred thousand million Get that right. 100,000 million stars in the Milky Way alone. And science says, and I believe this is true science, that there are millions of other galaxies with just as many stars in them. God's glory. I will tell you this. God created every one of those millions of millions of millions of stars. God placed them where they are. They are there by the providence of God for the purpose of God. Remember the purpose of the light of the moon to signs and seasons, the stars to give light by night. God set all these things God sustains all these things. Scientists said, well, that just had a nova. That sun, that star destroyed it. It it blew up or it consumed itself or whatever they say a nova is. And if you can see it blow up, then I assume that it blew up. But I will tell you this. It was created of God. It did not surprise God if it did blow up or cease to be. Sin is in the world, therefore everything waxeth old. Everything is sinful. God knows this. Nothing surprises God. He set His glory above the heavens. You see the stars. You see the moon. The sun is not mentioned here. Some people say this, They believe, and I have no fault with this. I'm telling you what some people say. And I would agree with it. I would agree with it. I'll go that far. Some say this was probably written at night. David meditating outside. I can relate to that. I sit up late at night. I worked all night. I sit up late at night. Many of my readings are done at night. A lot of my meditation is done at night. Sometimes sitting out in a swing. Not now. It's too hot. Sometimes laying in a bed. Sometimes sitting in a chair. And they say, God, he didn't mention the sun, David, because it was night when he penned them. And I have no problem with that. I tend to believe a little further past that, though, that David being a man of sorrow and just revealing the sun and the moon and the stars and not bringing forth the greatest created light that God gives to us, created light, for Christ is the true light. And if you read creation, he was there three days or four before God created the natural light of the sun. But I tend to believe that what we see represented here in the psalm is a man who lived in a world of darkness, a man who lived in a time of persecution, a man who lived in a time of sorrows. We have sorrows today with this disease taking the lives of people we know, causing pain to people we know, churches unable to meet for fear of catching this dreadful disease. Governments of men that would remove the name of God from the very creation if they could. The evil in this world. We suffer through darkness too. Let's take hope in these words of the psalmist David as he cries out, O Lord, our Lord, He is God from when our help comes. How excellent is Thy name 
in the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens. I've told you this once or twice already, but I'm going to bring it forth today because it fits, but I'll be very short with it. It's a true fact. We went camping one night, a friend of mine. We went out to go squirrel hunting. We wandered in the woods. We decided we were going to stay in the woods. I was about 12 or 13 years old. We built a fire up on a high place and some rocks, and there we spent the night, and I lay on my back looking up, wondering, do you think about God? You lay there and you see the vast expanse of God's glory and the created heavens and all the stars that we can see with our natural eye in the dead of winter and we we were there and it was a little bit cold I never forget that because I kept sliding closer to the fire but I sat there and I looked and I looked and I looked and some stars are so far away and then you look and you find a twinkle over behind it and you wonder how much farther is that star from this first star how much farther and when it's what's past it What's past it? It is said, everything ends. Nothing's forever. So your mind says, well, if it ends, if that ends, what's past that? What's past that? Well, the Bible teaches us what's past that. The Lord, our God, omnipresent everywhere. Our feeble, finite minds cannot comprehend that. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth who has set Thy glory above the heavens. Do you understand the psalmist is teaching us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit as beautiful as creation is, the stars, the moon, at night, In times of darkness, God giving us light. In times of sorrow, God giving us light. As beautiful as that created light, planets, stars, moon is. As overwhelming as it is to lay on your back on the top of a hill in the middle of the night and look straight up into the sky and see the glory of God, it's just a little bit beyond creation, in heaven and immortal glory. There, there, the glory of God illuminates beyond all sin and sorrow. David says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, Hast thou ordained strength? We find in Matthew, Christ was in the temple. The people and the children were saying, and by the way Scripture words it, I do believe they were crying out. Not just in a small voice, but in a loud voice such as I use many times they're crying out Hosanna Hosanna thou son of David and in one place it explicitly declares the children in the temple the children in the church house we're the church house this is the meeting house we're standing in cried out Hosanna, save Lord, thou son of David. The self-righteous Pharisees desired that Christ would make them be quiet. And Jesus used this text to quiet the self-righteous elite. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings has there ordained strength because of thine enemies. Matthew 11, I turn to it and let it go. Matthew 11, we find in verse 25, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Do you catch that? He's the master of heaven. He's the master of the cherubs. He's the master of the angels. 
He is the master of everything created in heaven and in earth. Things in heaven that we don't even know of, I'm quite sure, yet we will see when we are delivered from this evil world, this present evil world. He's Lord of them. He's Lord of us. I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things, what grace, from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. This would be a good time to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, about verse 25 or 26 where he tells us it pleased God by the foolishness and to the world it's foolish of preaching to save, save who? Them that believe. You see what came first before preaching? Belief. Belief came in the birth of the Spirit. But he said, not many wise men, not many noble are called. God uses the simple things of the world to confound the wise and mighty. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, certainly we see children in church houses that cry out unto God. You want to see the simple truth, sometimes listen to a child. And every time I think about that, my mind goes back to the children that Linda knows the mother and knew the child. They're not children now. They're grown adults with their own children, but it's been that long ago. But it proves the point of the faith of a child and how we must be as a little child to enter into the kingdom of heaven, humble and taking facts of faith as they stand in Christ. Because the children's grandmother had passed, they dreaded telling the children your grandmother's passed, and they told them they're little girls. Said, oh good, she's with Jesus. Now that's the faith. That's the faith of a child. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, has thou ordained strength. But let's look at another true example. I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. You go into the temple at that time, you would see the Pharisees, much like many you see today. <clears throat> Leaders corrupt leaders with all their gold and silver, the three-piece suits, their shiny shoes. I try to shine mine. The police ain't wore off yet, but I think I ought to be clean when I come to God's house. <clears throat> Justifying themselves by the keeping of the law. And then you see the true disciples who were patterned after or modeled after the beginning of the New Testament priesthood of John the Baptist who came bearing witness of the Son of God. The old Levitical priesthood had the beautiful garments, the beauty, the gold, the silver, the hat, the mitre. So beautiful to behold in one's eyes the things they wore. Well, true enough, those types and shadows are beautiful, but it was corrupted with them. And that's the nature of the flesh. And then we see John the Baptist. Camel's hair clothing. A leather girdle around his loins. Wild honey and locusts. So there were no T-bones. Wild honey and locusts. There's the true priesthood. I say that to make this point. You see, Peter, James, and John, three of my favorite examples. Rough as a cob, fisherman, poor, simple, mean. The word mean there does not mean hateful such as I am. It means mean as in average. Nothing outstanding. Nothing beautiful. Does that sound like Christ? In Isaiah 53, there was no beauty that we should behold Him. These plain, simple, poor, hard-working men, He ordained strength with them. 
through the preaching of the gospel and sent them to Jew and Greek, Jew and Gentile alike. For the gathering together of the elect of God from the four corners of the earth into the obtaining of the glory of Jesus Christ. Not to life, but to service of Christ. Out of the mouth that they were babes in the faith. They were sucklings in the faith. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul said, I would feed you with meat, but there's strife, envy, division among you. So I still have to feed you with milk. I still have to feed you with the, the milk of the, the breast. You're still babes. You haven't grown. You haven't matured. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings has thou ordained strength. We have strength in the gospel. We have strength in the preaching of the gospel. We have strength at individuals with our personal Savior, our Lord, O Lord, Jesus Christ. The knowledge of the gospel which brings life and immortality to light through preaching. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, newborn in the faith, as thou ordained strength because of thine enemies. This is the beauty of the church. The world looks at 8, 10, 15 people, or hundreds as some places are blessed to be. Well, that's foolish. What are they doing? They're going to worship a man that died. He's dead. You can't raise up. The next week we'll get to the 16th Psalm, Lord would, and we're going to talk about the resurrection of the Son of God. Because he's not dead, he's alive. They roll that stone away. Why seek you the living among the dead? But the point is, they behold us here and they laugh, they scoff. What are they doing? What are they getting out of that? That's vain, that's empty. They do not understand. But you, brethren, by the grace of God, do. Thou hast ordained strength that thou might instill, that means stop, the enemy and the avenger. Surely you figured out by now, after going through everything that we have gone through, especially in Revelation, and the purpose of Christ binding Satan, that he deceived the nations no more, this book is about Christ. We are to worship Christ. We have the knowledge of Christ. Satan, to steal the enemy who deceived us, to steal the avenger, the hateful one, who seeks to avenge God through us, to kill us, to destroy us, to take our peace away in the knowledge of Christ. How does God stop that? How does God steal that? By the preaching of the gospel to a born-again child of God whose heart God has prepared and brought into the assembly of the saints. <laughs> when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, Let's talk about the Lord just a minute. The heavens, all those hundreds, thousands, millions of stars that God created and everything on the earth. Isaiah 40, chapter 12. Speaking of God, we're picking up in the middle, but I'm going to start here. Speaking of God, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of His hand. We do not even know the depths of the Atlantic or the Pacific. But God knows. Every created star He knows by name. Every constellation, every star, every hair on your head is numbered. Even the ones I'm losing, they're numbered. This is the greatness of God. That's what David is saying. Look at the greatness of the Almighty God who has measured the waters in His hollow of His hand, who meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth. And you can't count the dust of earth in a shovel with an accurate count of each speck. God knows everyone in creation, for He created them. This is the greatness and the magnificence of this God whom we serve. 
and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills and the balance, who had directed the Spirit of the Lord or being his counselor, hath taught him with whom he counseled and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations, all the nations, every one, or is a drop of a bucket, and are counted as a small dust of the balance, they have no righteousness. The balance, justice, they're here. It's empty. Behold, the nations are drop of a bucket and it's counted as a small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing. And as if that's not enough. And they are counted to him less than nothing. Read Job 38. I don't have time to get into that very much, but just read the answer that God gave to Job. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? We were not. It talks about the power of Almighty God. Who hath laid the measures thereof? The earth, if thou knowest. Or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the correct, the cornerstone thereof? This goes back to Job 26. God who hang the north upon nothing. God who holds the earth in place at that perfect tilt as it spins. And while it's tilted and while it's spinning or rotating around the sun, I can't help the flat earthers. I know that everything in creation is centered on the world that God created and the people that God chose out of it for His Son Jesus Christ. But we spin around the sun. Nature itself proves that. And the earth's not flat. The Bible says God sitteth upon the circumference of the earth. That's a ball. That's a sphere. Read the power of God. Have you entered into the gates of death? My goodness. By which way is the light parted? You ever watch the light come in and go out? Daylight and dusk? You can't see it. You just realize it. You don't know how it happens. You don't know. You you cannot comprehend it, much less affect it. This is all the righteous God of heaven. You want to blow your mind and go past that? Go to the next two chapters. Read about the great dinosaurs. Read about the Leviathan. Go to Isaiah 27 and read about Leviathan. Read about that great sea creature that dwelt in the waters that had the scales so close together uh, an arrow could not penetrate them. The Nisings, the fire from his nose and his mouth. That's not a fairy tale. That's a Bible truth of what God created and when He created them. The same day He created man. This is our God that we serve and we're going to just a minute talk about Him more and man. Verse 20, chapter 27, Isaiah, in the day of the Lord, now this is a type of Satan, but he's given us explanation. In the day of the Lord with his sore and great strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing servant, and Leviathan, the crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Remember Satan being a dragon, Revelation. And that day, sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. That says public worship. That is public praise. That is in the house of the Lord. And that day, sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, do keep it. No one can do this. No one could create. No one can destroy I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. Talking about the church, the kingdom of God, and I will keep it night and day. You can read on down farther. Now, let me find the psalm again. All we've said, and we haven't begun to touch it, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Time out, little rabbit. Jeremiah 31-35. He's speaking of the sun and the moon and the stars which he ordained. And he makes the statement, If 
the sun and the moon and the stars cease to be, then my covenant with Israel, my people, the elect of God, shall also cease to be. What is man? Lord, what a question. I dwell at this all the time. I went and bought some groceries the other day, a little bit of stuff we needed, $30, $40. That's not but a mouthful this day and age, but <clears throat> the Lord feeds us, feeds the ravens. Every time I go, I'm amazed to come home and my freezer is so full I can't hardly shut the door with the foods that we eat, the meats. There's so much in the cabinet that I had to put a box in the closet. I do this to prepare, consider the ant thou sluggard, to have something for my wife and me to eat if time's tank for a while. I always think, Lord, why are you so good to me? I am vile. What is man? Lord, have mercy. How can you look on us? But thou art mindful of him. We are but flesh. Job 25, six short verses. I'm going to read them. You can think about them. Then answered Bildad the Shuite and said, Dominion or fear with him, God. He maketh peace in high places, God. Peace above and peace in the church, which is the highest ground in this world. Is there any number of his enemies, armies? Doubtless not. And upon whom does not his light arise? Speaking of the sun. The Lord is merciful to the just and the unjust. He causes the sun to rise on the just and the unjust, and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Here in this world, things of life. How then, how then can man be justified with God? There's only one way. Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? A sinful man, a sinful woman come together. What's coming out? Sin. A sinner. Only one way. Behold, even to the moon that shineth not, yea, the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man, here's my point, that is a worm and the son of man which is a worm, and God formed man from the dust of the ground. He's made from the earth. His skin is dirt. His insides are dirt, just like a worm. Stick one on a fish hook. See what comes out. Wet dirt. That's what we are of the earth. Earthy. Nothing. How can we stand before God? David says, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, the south ordained, what is man? What is man? Why are you good to us? Why do you love us? Why do we praise you? Why do we even know you? Why do we exist? Why did you not burn us all in the lake of fire when Adam sinned? <sighs> we don't have any troubles. I will tell you, you study the Bible. The sovereignty of God has been with His people from the beginning. Just like last week, God shall have laugh. He has them in derision. Your works of the wicked will turn upon themselves and they'll consume themselves. Only God is righteous. God only considers man through the Lord Jesus Christ. And those He considers in Christ are those contained in the election of grace. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Lord, I know my thoughts. I know my sins. I loathe myself. I look forward to the day of leaving this body and being with Christ above. Why is God mindful of us? Why does God love us with an everlasting love? Not just man, but the Son of Man. Adam multiplied. Sinners multiplied. 
this great Almighty God where nothing created could even after the fall and is no longer good and upright cannot exist before God except for His purpose in Christ and the election of Christ that His people whom He loved and died for. That's the only people He loves. What is man that thou art mindful of Him? The Son of man that thou visitest Him. Adam multiplied, yet God loves us and God keeps us. And God sustains us. This is all the work of God. This is all the hand of God. I don't care what happens in this world. I don't care what we've done in sin and rebellion. God cleanses us. God carries us. One day we'll all be changed and we'll stand in heaven in a mortal glory with Christ and nothing, nothing, nothing unholy, unsanctified, not God's, will enter. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Let me give you this. This is talking just exactly what it says, the doctrine that David is giving us a Bible doctrine that man's created of God, all things are. Man transgressed against God, what was good and upright became corrupt. By one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. And we're all dead sinners, for there's not one that sinneth not. But God, but God, Christ Jesus came into this world to save His people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one, and He finished that. John nineteen thirty. Why is He mindful of us? Because of the election of grace in His Son Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why is David not worried? It don't matter. That's the best you got. Bring it on. I've been shot at. I've been in chases. And all I did was get mad. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm telling you that because of how God cares for us and how really stupid I could be at times. But I always have in my mind the Lord is my Lord and my King and my redemption and my Savior. Period. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. That's man. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. Genesis chapter 1. God hath put everything under his hand. Where was I going? Hebrews. Hebrews 2. I'm going to skip for time because I'm out just about. The seventh verse, I'll go to six. But in a certain place, we just read it, testified saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? That's man and his seed in the world. Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and we are lower than angels. Thou crownedest him with glory and honor. God crowned man when He created him by giving him dominion over everything created. In the image of God, let us make man in our image, good and upright. And did set him over the work of thy hands, all things created for the man that God made. Thou hast put all things in subjection under His feet. That's the fear of animals, the fish, the fowl, the air, everything God created. Under... Man. Man's the last thing He created. The man. And then the woman from the man. The twain are one flesh. The husband, the wife, the family. Everything made for them. Thou hast put all things in subjection under His feet. For in that He has put all things in subjection under Him. He left nothing that is not put under Him. But now we see not yet all things put under Him. Now let's have a change of course. But it's high connected. They're two together, one for Christ died for us. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. He was made as a man in the likeness of sinful flesh yet without sin of the seed of David, of the Holy Spirit of God, all man, all God. He was made as a man, lower than the angels. For what purpose? For the suffering of death. 
humbled Himself to the death of the cross to fulfill the will of God to save us from our sins, to give us a kingdom to manifest His love unto us. Why is David so joyful in the doctrine in Psalm number 8? Why are we so joyful in the doctrine of the Bible? Because we realize that we are nothing, yea, less than nothing in Christ, the Creator of all, loved us with an everlasting love, died for us, saved us, raised up for our justification, and has guaranteed us a place with Him in heaven and immortal glory, not by anything we could do, but all of His purpose. Crowned with glory and honor that He by the grace of God should taste death for every man. That means every man contained in the election of grace. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. Wish I had another hour. He visits us. He visited us, did the Father's will, but he visits us. He visits us daily. When we hurt, he relieves us. Or he helps us to bear. When we're persecuted, he's with us. When we're happy, He's with us. He visits us in our time of need. The song was saying, Does Jesus care? Certainly. Certainly. He visits us. He loves us. He visits His people. He carries His people. For thou hast made Him a little lower than the angels and has crowned Him with glory and honor. Speaking of mankind. Thou madest Him to have dominion over the works of Thy hands. Thou hast put all things under His feet. Creation. God created. Everything sinned. Everything fell. So why is He mindful of man? Because it pleased the Lord. That's sufficient. To love and save a people. All sheep and oxen, yea, all the beasts of the field, the fowl, the air, the fish, the sea, and whatsoever passes through the pass of the seas God put under man. And David repeats, Oh, Lord. Sometimes I feel like I say the same thing every single week. David's repeating. What do we teach? What do we preach? The same thing. Christ Jesus and Him crucified. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. There's not a truer statement.